Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Ring of Honor announces their first pay-per-view of 2021. Rapper Bow Wow begins his in-ring training with a WWE Hall of Famer, and I take you through the brief history of celebrities stepping into the squared circle. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Last night was Monday Night Raw, but before we get into that, let's take a look at our breaking news. Ring of Honor announces their 19th anniversary pay-per-view, a four-hour show that can be found on Fight TV and traditional pay-per-view. That will take place Friday, March 26th, taking some viewers away from SmackDown. I have to cross that bridge when that time comes. Ring of Honor was one of the last promotions to return to action in 2020, and they've maintained strict regulations with a production bubble for all talent and a closed set for television tapings. They've also been filming their shows out of UMBC for all of our March Madness fans. We all know the importance of UMBC, the big 16th seed taking down Virginia a few years back. A uh, final battle for Ring of Honor last year. Uh, that pay per view was one of my favorite pro wrestling pay per views of all of 2020. All WWE, all Impact, all AEW. To be completely honest with you, Final Battle was up there. It might even compete for number one. That's how good Final Battle was for me. I will be covering the 19th anniversary pay per view. Even though I don't normally cover Ring of Honor, I do watch Ring of Honor before Monday Night Raw every night. So just to give myself a, an appetizer, maybe a palate cleanser for what I'm about to watch for Monday Night Raw because I really, really appreciate what they do over there at ROH. So I will be covering the anniversary pay-per-view and uh, SmackDown at the same time um, when that time comes. So uh, pray for me then because that's going to be a very long night for me. You just saw that four hours of a pay-per-view. Oh, boy. That's going to be tough. Rapper Bow Wow to begin training with WWE Hall of Famer announced today on Bow Wow's Twitter he is going to be training at Knox X Pro Academy in Los Angeles, which is ran by Rikishi and Black Pearl. Rikishi, a WWE Hall of Famer. A lot of people remember his run back in the day in the late 90s and the early 2000s, part of the Attitude Era has gotten into some Twitter beef Bow Wow has with a couple of heel wrestlers in the WWE and rapper Bad Bunny. Always great to see that interaction through social media nowadays. Uh, Twitter has just been the hub of a lot of uh, beef, if you will, especially Retribution doing a great job on Twitter as well, uh, really building up hype for whatever and whoever, especially a lot of outsiders coming into the WWE, which I don't have a big problem with at all. I think Bow Wow coming in, even though he might not be the top A-list rapper like Bad Bunny is, who is going to be the music guest on SNL Saturday Night Live uh, this Saturday. So I recommend go checking that out. But even though Bow Wow isn't up there in that top echelon anymore, always great to see uh, people wanting to show interest in the WWE because a lot of people, for, for them, this is their childhood, the WWE. Finally gained some fame and maybe they find their way into that squared circle as well. Bow Bow Wow now doing his due diligence, not trying to step in just to step in, but actually putting some in-ring work and train, if you will, for his in-ring interaction 
for possibly with Bad Bunny. So that'll be great to see. And now we 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 also have to speculate who's Bow Wow gonna be paired with. I had some ideas running through my head, and I think the best situation probably would be the Hurt Business for Bow Wow. I think that would be really nice. At WrestleMania, we could see Damian Priest and Bad Bunny take on Bow Wow and someone else. I think that's going to be WrestleMania, what's going to look like. Having the Hurt Business there with Bow Wow. You could have Bow Wow with, uh, in my opinion, Bobby Lashley would be the best one, if, especially if he's holding the United States Championship. And then with Bad Bunny and Priest picking up the victory there, you can see Priest and Bobby Lashley then fight for the United States Championship. And hopefully Priest would take it off him because Priest definitely has the talent to do so. Even though they're building Bobby Lashley as this huge monster. Uh, Bobby Lashley might even come out of Elimination Chamber as champion going against the two former NXT call-ups of Riddle and Keith Lee. That would be really something to see. I can only imagine the Twitter storm that would come after that. Also another good pairing for Bow Wow could be the New Day. You know, just that's just a cash cow. You know, you're just asking for a lot of money to roll in if you're the WWE, so we can definitely see that as well. Moving on to last night's Monday Night Raw. Had some mixed emotions about it, but we'll get right into it. Starting off with Miz TV with guest Drew McIntyre. No John Morrison in this Miz TV, which is always sad to see. I like John Morrison. I think he adds a little something, something, a little spice to uh the Miz, and they bounce off each other perfectly well. There's a reason why he's back and why he's paired with the Miz. Together, they are absolutely fantastic, in my opinion. I know some people do cringe at that when I say that, but I think they're dynamic, even though they're cultural references of what Jeff said for the past few episodes now. But I just know the narrative that I hear on Twitter all the time. Uh, even though those two together, maybe the cultural references uh, aren't always great, I do enjoy their interactions together uh, on the microphone. I think they do make for great television. Uh, the excuse for Morrison not being there, he was making uh, a Bad Bunny diss track. So hopefully that actually comes into fruition because I would I would like to see that from Morrison. I think that would be funny. Uh, the Miz continues the narrative of minimizing the chance of Drew McIntyre actually winning at the Elimination Chamber, having to go through five other people, obviously. And Drew McIntyre gets pretty upset at the Miz for cutting him off time and time again. McIntyre warns the Miz, do not cut me off again. The Miz ends up cutting him off, uh, Glasgow Kiss, and I think that segment could have ended right there, but they continue it a little bit longer, which did add some flavor to it, with Drew McIntyre walking away and actually flinging the, the Money in the Bank briefcase. You know, remember how he did and broke the uh, entrance LED board a, a few weeks back? Did it again, this time actually ended up breaking the Money in the Bank briefcase because he threw it so hard. The Miz... Gets back onto the microphone, gaslights the situation, and removes himself from the Elimination Chamber match, saying that all he needs to win the championship is in his hands. Well, it wasn't in his hands at the time, but all he needs is that Money in the Bank briefcase. That's all he needs to win it, either the WWE Championship, and he also hinted at the Universal Championship. I think The Miz getting taken out of this match was the correct call here, given that he is the Money in the Bank holder, and for that spot to be moved on to someone else that a lot of people figured should be in the match because he held the WWE Championship a lot more recent compared to The Miz, who held it in around WrestleMania 27. Uh, we will get to that a little bit later as that all fell into fruition as well throughout this episode. Next segment, The Hurt Business with Shelton Benjamin, MVP, and Cedric Alexander. Uh, no 
Bobby Lashley in this one, at least not involved directly in the match, versus the Lucha House Party and Riddle. Riddle, funny enough, before uh, the match, talked about President's Day being uh, his favorite holiday and ran through a couple presidents that he really enjoyed. You, know, you wouldn't think of Riddle in that way, but I think that was a little funny to start the the uh, match in the pre-match promo backstage area in Gorilla towards that area. The Hurt Business was in control early on. Riddle enters on a hot tag, and he dominates from there on out. MVP enters, and he sells a knee injury. Uh, Riddle connects with the Floating Bro, and that match ends pretty quick. And it's good that they didn't pin Alexander or Benjamin in this one. They pinned MVP. With MVP being pinned, that helps you know keeping the legitimacy of the raw tag team in 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 tow there and then with mvp being pinned at least once again saving that tag team from any more further issues we time and time again you you pin the smackdown tag champs last thing you want to do there now is pin the raw tag champs the week after that that would really get under my skins i appreciate tag team wrestling i think AEW does it pretty well and wwe can do it well as also but the main issue there is that they have a lot of the feuds for the tag teams in both Raw and SmackDown revolving around the championship itself and not really feuding between other tag teams other than the reason to win tag team gold. Not feuding over beef. We've we, we seen some Retribution New Day stuff that isn't about the tag team championship, which I think is nice. But I would like to see more of that type of feuding other than going for gold but i'm getting a little bit off topic as the match ends riddle and lucha house party win uh lashley enters after the match and puts riddle in the hurt lock funny enough bobby lashley on twitter uh posted a picture of him uh having riddle in the hurt lock and he's like i feel like i'm posting this picture every week and yeah you are posting that picture every week because it happens every week you have riddle in the hurt lock uh, I think they're really, really getting that move over. And it's not like he's been using it for over a year. It's not like it's brand new or anything. It, it, he's, he's been using it for a long time. And uh, they're continuing to make sure that move is considered a dominant and almost unbreakable hold. You know, much like how they did the, the Master Lock with uh, Chris Masters. So yeah, that's a throwback for you into the mid-2000s. Oh, <laughs> good memories there. Uh, next segment, Bad Bunny backstage with Damian Priest uh, promoting Saturday Night Live. As I mentioned, Bad Bunny going to be the, the guest musical appearance on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Kira Tozawa wins the 24-7 title from R-Truth right off to the side from where Bad Bunny and Damian Priest were standing. Priest attacks Tozawa to allow Bad Bunny to win the 24-7 title. So now your new champion, Bad Bunny... Holding the 24 7 title. I don't have a problem with it at all. I, I actually appreciate it because, you know, if how much money has Bad Bunny made for the WWE in recent weeks because of t shirt sales and hoodie sales and everything he's done on WWEshop.com, you got to put the belt on him just to say, oh, thank you for everything you gave us right there for your appearance. And now with Bow Wow assuming to be coming in probably in the next few weeks. Uh, I'm not sure how involved WWE currently is with Bow Wow in his training. I know obviously Rikishi is there, but I don't know what the chain of command is looking like and how far out Bow Wow is, but it would be nice to have him there by Mania. And there's no reason to take the belt off Bad Bunny for the next few weeks, next month and a half. Why not? This is the most 
uh, over guy in the WWE right now, funny enough, an outsider. They gave him pyro. I don't see our truth with any pyro. So, uh, yeah, keep the belt on uh, Bad Bunny and actually make it a type of uh, idea where you want to hold that 24-7 title as long as you can. I know our truth tries to does that to the best of his ability, but he makes that more of a comedic relief type of role, which is always great to have in a show from time to time. Not always, not always, but time to time. But the Bad Bunny... Make it an effort for Damian Priest to be that type of bodyguard for Bad Bunny, and he holds that belt because of Priest. Make build Priest up in this as well. I think that would be great. Next segment: Kofi Kingston backstage tells Adam Pierce he wants into the chamber with the Miz out, and the Miz enters saying that no, I think John Morrison should be in to that match, replacing the Miz's spot. So Adam Pierce makes the executive decision to have Miz versus Kofi Kingston. And the winner would get into the chamber. If the Miz wins, then it would be John Morrison. And funny enough, uh, it was both of the members of the New Day there, uh, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. And they dissed Marine 4, 5, and 6, saying that they were bad sequels. Because no, they were making fun of Kofi Kingston, saying, oh, Kofi Mania 2 is not going to be that good. But hey, what about Marine 4, 5, and 6? I, I don't even think I've seen... I've seen Marine 4, but I don't think I've seen 5 and 6, to be honest with you. But I saw the early ones. I really got to get up to date on my Marine movie watching. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't after that uh, that promo there. Now, the next segment, probably the most controversial segment of the night, where people were up in arms, the Charlotte Flair and Oscar versus Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans. Evans uh, cuts a promo walking down to the ring, saying Asuka is giving her a gift of the Raw Women's Championship at Elimination Chamber. Ric Flair ringside, of course. Ric Flair has been appearing uh, two Raw live tapings for the past few weeks now, getting uh, Lacey Evans over. And Lacey Evans, funny enough, refusing to enter the match early on, not even reaching her hand in to try to get the tag. Royce has to tag in Evans without her even looking, as Charlotte is the legal person Evans avoiding Charlotte at all costs. Evans walks out of the ring and walks up the entrance ramp with the microphone announcing that she's pregnant. Yes, you heard that right, that she is pregnant. Ric Flair celebrating. Very excited. Ric Flair doing Ric Flair things, his, his walk, his woos, everything he had to do. And the match, I don't remember a bell ringing for the match to end, but I'm assuming that Flair and Asuka won just because of the fact that it would have been a count out in that sense. But I don't remember a bell ringing, so this could have been a no contest, could have been Flair and Oscar winning because of a count out. And I have in my notes here, I hate Raw sometimes. Moments like these set back the women's division just because it, it, it makes a, a mockery of what has been built by Flair and Oscar and Banks and Bailey. It makes a mockery of it and brings us back to an era where women's wrestling wasn't great. But then the news comes out a couple minutes later, and this was breaking news by, I believe, Pro Wrestling Inc., saying that Lacey Evans is actually pregnant. She actually is holding a child. And for them to now, looking back, this might have been... I don't want to say it was the right decision to say this live on air, especially with everyone assuming that now Ric Flair is the father to the baby. That's how they made it look. That's how they made us perceive it. But 
now there's a reason why she'll be off TV for a while. That they haven't said anything about the Elimination Chamber match with her and Asuka. I'm assuming that's off the table given the fact that she is actually pregnant. And this I'm, this is coming from sources from uh, Wrestling Inc. So uh, if I'm wrong here, I'm wrong. But this is what the sources are telling me. And this is what I'm telling you. So I, I'm call me the middleman here. So if she's actually pregnant... Then going forward, it's understand it. And then if they work into the storyline. Yes, I do have a sour taste in my mouth. But at the same time, I could sort of swallow it just because she's actually holding a baby. So in a nicer way, congratulations from the Daily DDT family, Lacey Evans, on your pregnancy. Next segment, Kofi Kingston versus The Miz. We just talked about this. Uh, winner enters the Elimination Chamber. The Miz, if he wins this match, John Morrison will take the Miz's place. The Miz earlier in the night saying that he wanted out of the chamber match and withdrawing his spot back and forth early on. Even throwing a couple finishers at each other pretty early as well into this match. The Miz take control as it falls outside, but Kofi takes advantage after a def desperation stomp onto the Miz's chest. Boom drop SOS and a kick out by the Miz. The Miz locks in the figure four, and Kofi rolls through the skull-crushing finale, Trouble in Paradise, and Kofi Kingston wins and now is going to be in the Elimination Chamber match. I mentioned this to you earlier, saying that The Miz, yeah, he hasn't been WWE champion since WrestleMania 27. Kofi Kingston was a champion at Kofi Mania at that life WrestleMania 35, so more recent and deserving of a spot in the Elimination Chamber. We also saw Braun Strowman a little bit later, not involved in this match in any way, but in a promo segment to Adam Pearce saying that he should be in the match. He was a Universal ch uh, Champion, but Adam Pearce saying Universal is not WWE, even though, funny enough, Roman Reigns is carrying that Universal Championship like it is the WWE Championship and putting that belt on a absolute pedestal. Randy Orton Cut a promo in the next segment backstage looking to regain the WWE Championship and headline WrestleMania by using the RKO. And as the feed cuts out, Alexa Bliss appears in the Firefly Funhouse saying ashes to ashes, dust to dust, the Fiend will be reborn. I'm paraphrasing there. And as the camera pans up, she's in a pentagram which, you know, you have uh, the, the star on the ground with the, the candles. And that gives, that for me, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. I'm usually okay. I know we're talking about pro wrestling here. But when I'm for real scary movies, like you go to the movie theater and you watch a scary movie, I'm okay with jump scares and stuff like that. But what really freaks me out is the demonic stuff, the ghost stuff, the paranormal, the cult stuff. That stuff really, really freaks me out for whatever reason. Because there's always a chance. There's always a chance in the back of my mind. But the jump stairs don't don't really scare me as much. It's the stuff that makes you think. So this stuff gave me maybe a slight heebie-jeebie, giving it to the WWE. And it was Alexa Bliss, a familiar face. So I wasn't as, I wasn't as scared. I, I know a lot of people complain about WWE uh, trying to build the horror as much as possible. But it's The Fiend. And I, if I'm going to trust anybody with that, I'm going to trust Bray Wyatt. He's had this vision for a very long time and he's going to put the best into it i can't wait for him to return the question is how soon does he return is it going to be at the elimination chamber ruining red yorton's uh, momentum will it be at mania would it be on the road to wrestlemania would it be after that we don't know i think the farther away the better it is i really want to i continue to tease me about it but i really want to wait and honestly it should come at the most least expected moment for the fiend to come so 
I don't expect us to wait till SummerSlam to see him again. No way. I think we probably see him by Mania, but uh, make it Mania, not the Chamber. How about that? I think I think I would be happy with that if he made it Mania, Mania not the Chamber. Next segment: Lana with Naomi versus Shayna Baszler with Nia Jax. Jax attacks Naomi on the outside. Naomi takes the advantage over Jax on the outside as well, with Shayna Baszler uh, getting distracted there. And she almost loses the match because of it, getting rolled up by Lana, but she's too strong and kicks out, uh, ends up kneeing Lana in the face and putting her in the Caribou to clutch. Lana taps out right away, and Shayna Baszler is the victor in this match. I'm telling you, I do not want to see the belts on Lana and Naomi. I want to see them on Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. I'll leave it at that. I've talked about this at nauseam and how Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai could save the women's tag team division, and which would not only help the women's division as a whole, but the WWE giving legitimacy to another belt. And I think that would be fantastic of them if they put the belts on Lana and Naomi. I see no point in that. And with the belts on Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, it was almost lays in a neutral position as they have no one to face at the moment of legitimate threat. So uh, I really need these belts on Kai and, and Raquel Gonzalez like yesterday. I need them. I need them. Probably going to see that uh, at Mania at one way, shape, or form. I would really appreciate that if they put that on the WrestleMania stage. That would be really really nice moving on to the main event the gauntlet match i talked about this uh yesterday in the teaser for the episode uh saying that the winner enters the chamber last so if you win the gauntlet match you are the sixth entrant into the elimination chamber giving you the advantage of being fresh uh at the start of the match it was aj styles and almost versus kofi kingston to start it off and I want I wrote my notes here just to remind myself. Let's see if they give Kofi the Nakamura treatment, where they really push him hard through the gauntlet match, like how they did uh, Nakamura, and turning in Nakamura that turned him into a babyface at that point. Uh, that's how well that gauntlet match went for him, and hasn't really panned out that great after the fact. We're still waiting what to see what they're gonna do with Shinsuke Nakamura over on SmackDown with Kofi. Oh, obviously already a huge babyface with the New Day. Let's see if they're going to give him some Kofi Mania magic. And Kofi actually ends up losing to AJ Styles. And AJ Styles moves on. Kofi Kingston elimination eliminated from the gauntlet match. And I'm glad. Only reason I'm, I did not want to see them just rehash a story. I don't, didn't want to see, you know, that that's literally the same idea of uh, Mustafa Ali being knocked out and him being the replacement I don't want to see another replacement story for Kofi. You know, tell the same story twice, trying to rekindle the magic of Kofi Mania. That was a one-time thing. And maybe somewhere down the line with a different person in a different story, we could see some type of Kofi Mania-esque thing again, probably five years later, because the, the moments that we've seen that was Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30, and we've seen it with Kofi, WrestleMania 35. So WrestleMania 40 will get another big moment for the fans. That would be uh, on, a, on another level. But I'm glad that they didn't try to retell a story too fast because that, that would have hurt Kofi yeah, as well, as much as it hurts uh, everyone else. Uh, going forward, Drew McIntyre enters the match to face AJ Styles. Good to see the champion in early. Styles takes a nasty bump off of the middle rope. And McIntyre claymores AJ Styles to move on. After him, Jeff Hardy enters. McIntyre reverses the Swanton Bomb and Claymore kicks him. 
McIntyre uh, continues as Hardy is out. And then Randy Orton enters. When he enters, it goes into commercial break. And when they come back, they're already fighting. They end up on the outside. And Alexa Bliss appears on all the screens of the WWE Thunderdome. And that having him there, uh, excuse me, having Alexa Bliss there distracts Randy Orton, having him on the outside. And he's counted out and eliminated McIntyre all the way up into the finals. Goes up against Sheamus. And that, that match lasts a little bit. McIntyre misses the Claymore kick. And a bro kick connects from Sheamus. To win the gauntlet match. And enter the Elimination Chamber match. A quick post-match promo. With Sheamus declaring himself the next WWE Champion. Good to have that one-on-one there. And I'm assuming that we're going to have that one-on-one again. To the back end of the Elimination Chamber. I, that could be a story that they go with. They could also go with a story of Randy Orton. Coming out as a WWE Champion. To put another title reign on him. I don't know if they do that. I think that is not as favorable. As having Sheamus McIntyre. Go at it one on one. McIntyre coming out on top. I don't think they put the belt on Sheamus either. I think the only two people. That they can put the belts on. After this chamber match. Is going to be. McIntyre and Orton. Are the only two that I feel are legitimate. At this point. I don't think they do it to Kofi. I don't think they do it to AJ. uh, Just because. Kofi is not at that point right now. Neither is AJ, even though he's doing some great things with Omos. And Omos is doing great things. There's a great spot with uh, AJ Styles and Kofi Kingston in the beginning part of the gauntlet match where Omos grabbed uh, Xavier Woods by the throat and threw him to the outside. And the camera angle, I guess they call it the Andre camera angle, where they have it really pointed up at Omos to make him look super duper tall. I thought that was some... I wouldn't call it fantastic camera work, but it was a fantastic idea and a fantastic visual to have the size of Omas from that low vantage point, just making him look 10 feet tall. I thought that was really, really well put together. So at the end of the show, uh, I'm feeling I'm going to give this grade a C plus. If Lacey Evans wasn't actually pregnant, this would probably be a C minus D plus. But given the fact that she is pregnant, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving the show the benefit of the doubt. I go to bat a lot for the WWE. I really do. Uh, I know a lot of people that have abandoned the WWE. I know a lot of people that never want to watch a WWE show again, even though they do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night uh, because they cover it or because uh, they're still attached in some way, shape, or form, waiting for it to get better, waiting for moments that really impress them. And watching three hours of Monday Night Raw is tough, and especially when they leave you with a sour taste in your mouth halfway through with Lacey Evans. But given that she's actually pregnant, congratulations. Again, the show is C+. We're going to head into the break, but after that, we're going to do some On This Day in Pro Wrestling, and we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to give you a brief history of celebrities entering the squared circle and actually competing in matches. We've seen celebrities in professional wrestling for a long, long time, But when they actually step in the ring and compete in a match, that's what we're going to talk about right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. Stick with us. On this day in pro wrestling history, on February 16th, 2010, this was the final day of ECW. ECW made its return in the mid-2000s after two one-night stand shows. Those were reunion shows, I believe, in 2005 and 2006 that was ran by the WWE after ECW went under in the late 1990s during the Monday Night Wars, and ECW wanted to get back together. They found their way in the mid-2000s and ended up becoming such a success in those 
uh, individual shows that ECW would formulate itself into a weekly show on sci-fi, but the ratings did not support the cause, especially towards the back-end stretch there in the, early, in the late 2000s. ECW was discontinued for NXT, which was, at the time, if you remember, NXT wasn't anywhere near what NXT is today. The fantastic show that puts on great matches night after night, fantastic NXT takeovers that I'm still raving about to this moment and how great that NXT TakeOver Vengeance was, Vengeance Day was on Sunday night. At the time, it was just like a reality show where they would have up-and-coming talent competing in not wrestling matches, but like promo wars and they were doing just obstacle courses and anything but actual professional wrestling. So I'm glad they moved away from that and moved into a legitimate brand that's probably one of the best shows that WWE puts on at the moment. It's between NXT and SmackDown, which one's at the top of the, the brand. And right now, I might have to give it to NXT after that takeover. And uh, if, if Roman Reigns continues to do great things, I'll, I'll go... Uh, continue with SmackDown, putting them at the top of that that branch there. But right now, maybe it's the recency bias kicking in. But I'm gonna give it to uh, I'm gonna give it to NXT right, just for right now, just for right now. <laughs> so uh, and also just from a, a audio standpoint, from a listening, if you hear a little pitter patter, right now I'm in Ithaca, New York, and it is Monday night as I record this, and there's supposed to be a big storm coming through, so if you hear a little bit more of the icy snow come down, it's not my fault, I do not control uh, Mother Nature here, but we're going to go through a short history of celebrities stepping in the ring, I actually wanted to look, uh, I, I pulled a big list of all the celebrities that have been involved in WWE and WCW, and seeing what they actually did, and a lot of them were, in, especially in WWE's case, were guest hosts and just ringside valets. But I wanted to see who was genuinely involved in storylines, who actually stepped in the ring, who really made their impact on the wrestling industry by competing. So looking at WCW first, I wanted to go back a little bit. A lot of basketball players, funny enough. Carl Malone, former NBA player, in 1998, he appeared at Bash at the Beach where he teamed with Diamond Dallas Page and lost to Hulk Hogan and another NBA player, Dennis Rodman. Yes, he found his way to WCW, a member of NWO, member of that stable, and ended up losing with Hulk Hogan. He actually competed Dennis Rodman in 1997 and 1998, so Rodman couldn't get enough of that wrestling bug in the late 90s as he was winning championship rings with the Chicago Bulls. Why not? Why not? We all seen The Last Dance. I mean, we all seen what how crazy Dennis Rodman was. Why not put him in the squared circle with WCW? Another basketball player, Shaquille O'Neal, another NBA guy, Bash at the Beach in 1994 in Orlando. And uh, he did not step in the ring at the time for WCW, but I will get to him later as he... He's trying to with AEW, he tried to with WWE, stepped in the ring with the Big Show for a little bit at the Royal Rumble. So he did some things. We all remember uh, Shaquille O'Neal. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. WCW as well, Master P, hip-hop artist, 1999, and a small run in WCW where he led a stable called No Limit Soldiers in a feud with Kurt Henning's West Texas Rednecks. So uh, he also had some spots as well. Uh, Master P. Jay Leno, 
I always thought that's hilarious that Jay Leno, a comedian and former host of The Tonight Show in 1998, Leno tagged with Diamond Dallas Page in a tag team match against Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff at Road Wild. Jay Leno, of all people, competing in a, a wrestling match. And Mr. T also had some work with WCW, but I will talk about Mr. T more in the WWE sense. Uh, he found his way back to the ring uh, in 1994, it, both for Batch of the Beach and then Halloween Havoc. Uh, he was a special enforcer between Flair and Hogan. He even faced off in December at Starcade against Kevin Sullivan. So he was all over the place in 1994 with WCW. But moving over to the WWE. Oh, I forgot the best one for <laughs> I forget the best one for WCW. David Arquette, actor, won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And this is a part of a stunt to promote Arquette's film Ready to Rumble. But imagine, I'm trying to think of this in equivalent terms today. Well, imagine this, a Bad Bunny producing a new album, came to the WWE and took the belt off McIntyre. That would really hurt a lot of people if they saw that for a publicity stunt. But the fact that it actually happened in the history of pro wrestling to a legitimate brand of WCW had an outsider win the top prize in their company. I have no problem with someone winning the lowest prize, which is the 24-7 title. If anything, that helps the WWE with the fact that Bad Bunny holds a 24-7 bell. But I wouldn't want Bad Bunny holding the WWE championship. I think that makes sense for everybody. So for Arquette to hold the top title in a brand... That, that hurts. That hurts to think about, especially for a lot of fans, WCW fans at the time. That hurt a lot of people. Looking at the WWE, uh, I'm going to give you some of the big ones here because there, there's a lot. But the biggest ones, Floyd Money Mayweather, boxer, fought the big show at WrestleMania 24. Also was a guest host, but obviously we all remember his match uh, against the big show at WrestleMania 24. And... He broke Big Show's nose at No Way Out that same year, but on the road to WrestleMania. It, you know, it, we talk about WWE open fist punches, pulling punches, stuff like that. And, and he, it doesn't translate over to the hands of Floyd Money Mayweather and that really, really rocked the Big Show. And uh, <laughs> I laugh looking back at it. And because uh, that was a big part of my childhood, that's one of the first WrestleManias that I remember very vividly. WrestleMania 24, and uh, still one of my favorites to this day. Maybe because it is my first. Maybe it's because the Edge Undertaker match. Maybe because of the Big Show Floyd Money Mayweather match. Uh, I can go through a couple of the John Cena Triple H Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. You know that that WrestleMania for me really holds a deep place in my heart. Maybe it's because of Floyd Money Mayweather. Another big name, Ronda Rousey. Found her way over to the WWE, and not only did she find her way over, but she did win the top prize of the Raw Women's Championship and was a huge, huge piece running into, what was it, WrestleMania 35. So I'm okay with her winning the top prize because it's Ronda Rousey. She made the UFC Women's Division. There would be no UFC Women's Division, in my opinion, without Ronda Rousey, one of the most influential fighters in the history of fighting right up there. This might be a conversation. controversial term but Muhammad Ali in a sense of building a fight she built the women's division in the UFC and it wouldn't be there without her to this day I can tell you that so for her to make her way to the WWE after her time in UFC was huge huge for the WWE name value sake especially going into 
WrestleMania. Shaquille O'Neal got into a shoulder blocking contest pretty much with the Big Show. Uh, he found his way against Chris Jericho in the Big Show as well, getting involved in matches with Crime Time. So Shaquille O'Neal once again making his appearance. And um, I, I know he wasn't involved, but I'm doing this for my roommate who's a big Chicago Bears fan. Walter Payton, retired uh, American professional football player. He appeared in the corner of Razor Ramon in the Intercontinental Championship match against Diesel at SummerSlam 1994. Uh, might not have gotten directly involved, but he was there. I might be going against the rules of my uh, of my talking set. And now the one I wanted to get to the most, well, there's two. The one bef- before is Lawrence Taylor going up against Big uh, Bam Bam Bigelow at WrestleMania 11. Lawrence Taylor considered one of the greatest defensive football players of all time. And for him to actually step in the ring and compete in a match, and that was a, I don't, I don't want to call it the main event of WrestleMania. Oh, was it the main event of WrestleMania 11? I really have to do my research on that. I, once again, I'll tell you, I'm very bad at trivia. But Lawrence Taylor, he competed in a match at WrestleMania one-on-one, not even a, uh, a match where he got help from a tag team partner. No, one-on-one with Bam Bam Bigelow. Watch that match. And now, the man I want to talk about the most here, getting involved in the WWE, and has been involved for a long time, Donald Trump. WrestleMania 23, billionaire versus billionaire. He was directly involved in the match. $100 bills poured from the ceiling. Hair versus hair match as well. The loser would have to get their hair shaved. They both picked uh, uh, who they wanted as their representative McMahon picked Umaga, uh, Trump picked Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is still going to this day. And Stone Cold Steve Austin as the guest referee. Lashley ended up winning the match. Trump shaved Mr. McMahon's head and even gave him a tough clothesline, I remember, in that match as well. But directly involved. Donald Trump has been involved in professional wrestling for a long, long time. And it's kind of scary looking back on what matches he was ringside for and how symbolic it kind of is. he was ringside for the WrestleMania 7 match. I believe it was WrestleMania 7 between Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter, who was an Iraqi sympathizer. That was his gimmick, Sergeant Slaughter. And Hulk Hogan, with Donald Trump sitting in the front row, ripped up the Iraqi flag right in, right in the middle of the ring. If that happened today, there would be a whole firestorm. But given the time, it was kind of okay. But it was very symbolic how Donald Trump was sitting in the front row. Donald Trump also uh, making his interaction in WrestleMania 23. That was pretty big at the time, giving you such a, a reality show star. And my big prediction, and I might get also yelled at for saying this, but it might be a big cringe moment, but his first place back into the media's eye after his presidency uh just ended in January, but this first place when he gets back into the rhythm, if he ever does, probably will be the WWE. There's not going to be a lot of places that are going to want to take Donald Trump back after his four-year presidency run. And the one place that might is the WWE. McMahon and Trump are very, very tight. McMahon was a part of the rebuild of the rebuild board for sports going forward back at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. So with McMahon sitting at that table, I think there's going to be a lot of favors shared and Trump trying to get his back, his life back into the media. It might start in the WWE in a squared circle. 
Don't be surprised if you see that. There's going to be a lot, a lot of Hellstorm that ever happens. And I'm just going to have to laugh at it because it would be a sight to see Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, <laughs> crazy to say, uh, on WWE television again. That would be an absolute sight to see. Preview for tonight, Impact Wrestling. And this is the first episode after No Surrender. We're going to see on the, before the Impact show, which is on Access TV, no word yet, and I've done a little bit of research, no word if this is also going to be on Twitch, the Before the Impact show, BTI. And they're going to be a match DK versus XXL, excuse me, Triple XL. And that match is going to be on the pre-show to a regular, it's not, it's not like a pre-show to a pay-per-view or anything, it's just before the Impact. It's like having a pre-show to Raw, pretty much. And they're going to have a match on there. No word if I can watch it or not yet because I can only get it on Twitch. I don't have Access TV currently. And the big match for the night, TJP versus Josh Alexander for the X Division Championship. Josh Alexander won this in the Triple Threat Revolver match at No Surrender. A little surprising that they're doing it so soon. Didn't let, me, let it simmer a week or two. But doing it right away, uh, I would like to see the belt go on Josh Alexander, to be honest with you. But... Since they're doing it so soon, probably going to stay on the waist of TJP, which isn't a problem either. It's just, I'm a little curious why they would waste this match so early, given the technical prowess of both these guys. And this should be a pretty big match as well, given the fact of how technically sound both these guys are. So I'm excited for tonight's Impact Wrestling. And that's all it's going to be for me on this episode of the Daily DET Podcast. You can catch us on all your favorite podcast providers that includes apple Podcasts, spotify himalaya uh, amazon i know they have it on there so uh really i was actually kind of impressed if you google the daily ddt podcast it comes up on 12 different things and being paired with myself and the fan-sided daily ddt family i couldn't ask for anything more and we're in we're a week in into this uh, podcast and i feel like we're still going strong still going very very strong and i appreciate all the love and support I've been getting from you guys on Twitter, Instagram. You can catch me there at Jaden Becker TV. And you can also catch a lot of our writers and where you most likely found Daily DDT at DailyDDT.com. We really do some fantastic work there. I plan on getting some writers on as well as we get closer and closer to WrestleMania season. Make that a whole big event as well from Re- WrestleMania week. It would be awesome to have these writers on. Maybe even a couple pro wrestlers as well. How about that? So I'm going to see you tomorrow with another episode of Daily DDT Podcast.